pining patsies and nostalgic nighthawks, you're tuned in to the loneliness hour, where our dulcet tones will soothe the suffering of even the most savage breast. So sit back and let the emptiness of the void surround you, because it's time to talk tall to me. Me, 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 me. <laughs> Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are the Feckless Moans. And this, my little candy hearts, is Talk Tell to Me. A conference call on the long-distance operating line of Prog Rock, in which noise-canceling Nick and one-touch Omen will power up a wide-band receiver to listen out for the faintest hint of each and every track that remote voicemail rock band Jethro Tull have ever forwarded to our handset. We will seek a connection across the ether by probing the proprietary parts of Matt Pegg, dial D for Don Perry's dongle, and binaurally brave the busy hour with Martin Blue Box Bar. And if we can bypass the caller ID system, patch through access to the ancient network of ley lines, and trap and trace the vertical service codes, we may finally hear the heavy breathing of the wireless wildman, the voicemail virtuoso, the simplex system of Sky, the man with a career more indestructible than a Nokia 3310, <laughs> Ian Analog System Anderson. Oh, Ian Analog System Anderson. <laughs> I referenced Candy Hearts, and I, I thought, this has got to be dropping around Valentine's Day. It's a week after. Thinking Round Corners is on the 13th. It's such a bummer. So close. Love is still in the air. By then, yes. People have eaten all of their chocolate. Is that what that scent is? A little spray will sort that out. Spritz it. Spritz it out. Hmm. Nick? Omen, I saw you just take a drink of something. I did take a drink of something. What are you drinking, Omen? What am I drinking? What are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nick, I'm glad you asked. I will tell you that I am drinking a wonderful cup of Earl Grey tea. I have had so much straight ahead tea over the last couple of months that I've, my palate is crying out for some variation. So I've, I'm turning to Earl Grey in the evenings and a little chai in the mm. afternoon. So this is my first cup of Earl Grey of the day. And I'm drinking it out of my Tulskull branded mug. How lovely. Nick, what are you wetting your whistle with? I'm very excited about this. Local beer and soft drink company, Ithaca Soda Company, has a banging ginger beer, and they put out a pineapple ginger beer that is exquisite. Illegal. Straight to prison. It works so well together. Here, we got to... Oh. That's nice. Yeah. That's the sort of thing I would probably Ooh. put a dash of rum into. Uh, no, gin. You can put rum in that. Oh, then it'd be, it'd be make it like a pina colada type of thing. Gross. <laughs> mm. Yes. You get both hints. It's not overpowering either way. The sweetness kind of rounds out the ginger. I like a good burny, spiky ginger beer, yeah. but this mellows it out. It's real nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
Well, Nick, without any further ado, what are we listening to and talking to tell about this very week? We are talking about, oh my goodness, I think we're about halfway through at this point. We are on track number seven. Seven. Of 14. And I mean, granted, the last like 30 on this are bonus tracks because they came with like the bonus album, but it's not, you know, it's, it's kind of in this amorphous area. But that being said, in terms of what we are covering under Catfish Rising of the 14 tracks, we are on number seven, which mathematically that tells me halfway. We are talking about still loving you this evening. I mean, tonight, let's get cracking because we have so many correspondencies for the middle. Let's still be listening to it tonight. Nick McGill. Omen, I need you to know something. What is it, Nick? It's that I'm still loving you tonight, Omen. I'm still going to be loving this song tonight. Yeah, as you ought to. This is... God, I know I say this every single time on this album, but like... This is actually one of my favorite love songs of the entire canon. Yes, agreed. Agreed, it is one of yours. But also, I really like it too. There's some really interesting things to point out with it. I'm excited to talk about this song. Any, anything off the bat for you? This is not in 4-4. First time in a long time we've had something not in 4-4. That is very accurate. I'm so proud of you. It's a waltz, right? It is a waltz. And yeah. what are waltzes? 3-4. Waltzes are 3-4. Yeah. Nick! <laughs> we can no longer say that this entire project was purposeless. I've learned how to count very simple, slow to time three, signatures. Over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. And it's funny because mm -hmm. it is such a bluesy song mm -hmm. that it doesn't immediately stick out as a 3-4 song until you start counting it. And then you're like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. Yeah. That's in 3-4. When I first started counting, I assumed it was a 4. So I just went to 4 and I was like, hmm, no, something's wrong here. Hmm. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three. Oh, I, uh, never mind. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. You're thinking you could finagle it as a, like a four, four, and then just throw a, at some point, throw a two in there or even a three. Over the course of 12, I guess it wouldn't matter. Yeah. But no, it's solidly in, yeah. in three, three. There's no real other way to count it. And no one is yeah. counting it in any different way in this song. Yeah. You know, it's not like one of those poly signatured songs that we've had yeah. before where people are kind of on different tracks that loop together once in a while. Yeah. The whole thing all the way through, they're on three. They are. Everybody's on three, yeah. It is a little bit unusual in the sense, at least in recent Tull catalog history, that we start out with the bass right out in the front. Boom, dum, 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 dum. Oh, yeah, right. Maybe that's why when I first heard it, when I push played just this most recent lesson, my immediate thought was like, well, they don't 
they don't build into it at all. But I mean, it is a buildup for the first like 30 seconds, but it feels like it's a kind of a, an immediate start. And maybe it's the bass. It's a build in a different way than what we've had on the rest of this album. I, I would agree. Okay. It still builds, but you're right. It does it in a different way. It's not, it doesn't feel the same. It's, it feels like you're automatically right in the song. And I, yeah. and I agree. I think it is because of the bass. Interesting. I didn't catch the bass part. So I'm glad you did to, to put those two together because I thought it was a little crazy, to be honest, that it was like, no, I mean, it is, it's clearly ramping up, but it does sound not jarring. I think jarring is too extreme a word to use, but it doesn't feel, it feels like I would put it on par with the start of Doctor to My Disease, which is a real punch in the face. But Still Loving You Tonight is a soft punch in the face. There's something there. It's like a stutter. It's a stutter punch. Yeah. A stutter punch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> whack. Whoa, whack. At 1.30, we have the synth come in just for one kind of chord. Synth strings. I feel like it's on a string yeah. setting. Fill your space is Which is Ian, I believe. I don't see any notes on track five on the lineup. On the lineup on Wikipedia, this one is track five. So I'm assuming they they're attributing all of the tracks accordingly on Interesting. that. Yeah. And then the synth comes back later in its organ setting. Or maybe it's even a different instrument. Oh, but we yes. have that. Yeah, that's right. Heavy bluesy kind of referencing mm -hmm. that old Hammond organ yeah. sound. Taking it to church. Yep. Yeah, it, oh, does it ever? You wanna know how I can leave you? Yeah, I can move along this way. Before we get there, at about 55 seconds, we have one of my favorite guitar riffs from the entirety of Tall ever. It's so sultry. Yeah. And Ian, every other time it's just Martin, but the first one it's Ian vocalizing with it. And it oh, is yeah, that's right. so sexy. We got Tambo in there as well. Sexy Tambo. Oh yeah, it's so good. So good. Is Martin on, like, there's something so clear about his strings, so resonant. Mm-hmm. Is a steel guitar only used for the slide aspect? Or could this be a different kind of guitar? Or is it just like a pedal that's like super clear and resonant? Or is there no filter at all, you know? It's hard to say. Yeah. The thing that I love about it, the way that this song is constructed, is that the first time we hear that riff, that musical phrase, mm -hmm. I think it's an acoustic guitar. A steel-strung acoustic oh. guitar. Oh, maybe. Whereas a steel guitar, quote-unquote, is a guitar that, whose body is made of steel, also called yeah. a dobro. I don't think it's that. Okay. And a dobro or a steel guitar can be played without a slide, certainly. Sure. But it mostly is played with a slide. But this, to me, sounds like it's a acoustic guitar with steel strings. But then when it comes back, Martin is definitely playing it on the electric. The 
thing that I'm not sure about is the first time that we do hear that riff, is that Ian playing the acoustic guitar or oh. is it Martin on the acoustic? And I really, my instinct says it's Martin just because of the playing style. I was going to say, it feels very Martin. Acoustic or not, it feels very Martin. And maybe it's just because the rest of it is electric and we just, we equate that sound to it. But yeah, Ian's acoustic playing. It's a little different. It's phenomenal. It's sweet and sensitive, but it's not that from what I think of when I hear Ian. I agree. But that is acoustic, yeah? It's hard to... I think it's acoustic. I think it's acoustic. But it is hard to tell. There's a resonance there. There's a, that you get that natural resonance from the body, I think, there that I think I can hear it in that. And one telltale sign that leads me to more definitively believe that this is Martin playing this guitar is that the way that he bends the notes. Ian doesn't do a lot of bending with his strings. No. Which isn't to say that he couldn't, of course, but I think we can say that it's Martin. Yeah. I feel like it's been since, I don't know, since Crest or maybe a little bit in Rock Island that we've had almost an Opflarian feel. There hasn't been a whole lot. I seem to remember thinking about Dire Straits when listening to Catfish, but I don't, I haven't been got, getting a whole lot of it this run. This feels kind of Opflarian to me. And what is it about this song that kind of brings up that? that image, that sound image for you? I think it's the bluesiness of it. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's... The emotionality, the emotion in the guitar. Yeah. yeah. That comes, yeah, obviously, specifically through through the guitar. We have other, much more similar sounds earlier on, but this one does have a little bit of that feel. That makes sense to me, yeah. It didn't stick out to me as feeling very dire straightsy, mm-hmm. but I can totally see how it could sound like that to, to someone else. Ian singing, he is in a, you know, very much contrasted with thinking around corners. He has none of mm-hmm. the Billy Goat in him. He's in a very earnest voice. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Very comfortable range. I don't hear any strain. He does get up there a little bit, but it's not, I don't think he's peaking in audio terms, peaking where he's hitting the, he's hitting beyond his comfortable range. Yeah. Toward the very end, we get a little bit of, of night, a little bit of that yeah. kind of distortion, but it's just that one moment. That's intentional. That That's not like he pushed it too hard. No, no, no. It's There's just a touch of that voice that pervades the rest of the album. Yeah. Kind of slotted in there. Yeah, I think that was at the end of the verse that starts with, you want to know how I can leave you, how I can move along mm-hmm, this way. Mm-hmm. That's the one where he's like, I'll still be loving you tonight. Yes, yes. And then he goes the next line, I'll still be loving you tonight. Like nice and smooth after that. I'll still be loving you tonight. Still be loving you tonight. It's really only that once, maybe in the repetitions at the very end, he does it as well, but that first one is when it really stuck out for me. It's not modestly done. It's you're very selective. It's selectively done. Mm. Selectively brought out. The Billy Goat. Yeah. 
But I wouldn't even I wouldn't even call that a billy goat. I don't think that's that's quite I mean it's it's reminiscent, but there's no there's no none of that vibrato. It's the sound of the billy goat without the vibrato. It's a touch of the goat, a hair of the goat. It's the strain. It's the straining of the voice without the vibration. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think so. I don't have much else to say about this musically, except just to reiterate that that riff mm. is one of the most beautiful things that I've ever heard in my life. Put away Aqualung. This is one of the most iconic riffs in Tull. It's amazing. It's real good. I don't even know how to describe it. It's got pining. It's got passion. It's got self-control. It's got self-awareness. It's got freedom. It's got sentience. It's got sentience. It is demanding <laughs> the right to vote. <laughs> it's on the ballot. It is a suffragette. <laughs> You're only Nick, welcome to the half. Omen, hello. Let's bust into some things. Did you say I should bust in now? I've got a sack of correspondence for you. How long have you been waiting in that cake, Mary? Ah, I had to eat my way through the first layer just to survive. <laughs> you might as well, if you're stuck in a cake, enjoy it while you're there. That's what my, my mom always said. Here's your sack. I'm off to wash off. Take me diabetes medicine. She's unwell. She is. So last week was the final track off of Rock Island. Strange Avenues was the episode that dropped chronologically to when we are recording right now. So tomorrow, tomorrow being Tuesday, is the start of Catfish. Yeah. The first published episode. But what a response for Strange Avenues. Really? I have never had this much correspondence from a single episode. Was it a reaction to the song itself or to our take on it or, or what? A little bit of everything. Mostly positive, like, boy, this is my favorite song off of the album, was a lot of it. To begin with, we have Nuntius Legis, again, writes in on YouTube, and they've got uh, a lot of praise for this song. But also, they say, funny that you missed the first electric guitar riff being the same as that in The Whaler's Do's. Oh. I know. I'll put the two pieces in here. You know, one thing that I think is, is a little bit of a chink in our armor, a little flaw in our programming sometimes, is that we, because of the way that we record chronologically, we don't do as much cross-referencing to songs as we could if we were recording in some other four-dimensional way. Right. If we were recording every episode simultaneously before we publish them, before we even started the podcast, if we recorded them all, <laughs> then I think it would have been easier. Imagine six years of recording before we even dropped the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something that I would have tried to do. I'm glad that I didn't. Yeah. But anyway, back to the back to the letter. That's it from Nuntius Legis. That is a comment on the YouTube for that one. 
Next is Jupson in the Discord. Hey, Jupson. Friend St. Jupson says, just occurred to me, could strange avenues be a metaphor for depression? Strange avenues where you lose all sense of direction and everywhere is Main Street in the winter sun. Depression is weird, and this describes the general vibe fairly well sometimes. Wow, yeah. Let alone self-hatred of, like, look at me here with my warm feet, a limo, etc. Why do I feel this way? What right do I have? This guy's over here looking like Aqualung, warming his feet down at the bog, a coat without any real liner. He has people and money helping him to stay away from that fate, but if he didn't have those things, who can say? Thankfully, by the end, he's heading up and out from his isolation and depression, and even thanks the listener, or whoever stuck by him, for staying with him through it. But that's just him going up and out. The world is still full of countless instances of depression, isolation, loneliness. Potent song I always knew, but I never thought much about it until now. Mm. Thank you, Jupson, for that. Great insight. A valid observation. I mean, really, the whole album could be viewed as an allegory to depression. Rock Island, even. The title, the concept itself. Why not? Yeah. On that episode, we also talked about, you did a little profile of Ma'art and Alcock. Yes. And Mirset chimes in on YouTube. I think your comparison of M. Alcock to Jeffrey is pretty accurate. Hmm. We compared him to Jeffrey Hammond yep. because Jeffrey was talked into the band. Was kind of a, a blank slate on the bass yeah, yeah. and Martin was a blank slate on the keys. After a series of talented, flashy keyboard virtuosos, Eddie, PJV, and also Don Airy, who toured with JT in 1987, Ian wanted someone more down-to-earth in the band with whom he was already familiar. You touched upon that, but it is also interesting that Ian didn't use Mart on Catfish, but he toured with them for all of 1991. At the end of that tour, he received a card note from Ian that his services were no longer needed and was replaced with Andy Giddings for 1992. Wow. Yeah. And my response was, that's the most Ian thing I've ever heard. And it reminds me, isn't that what they did to Glenn? He did that? No. No, no, that was a conversation in the airport. Right, but Ian didn't even have the conversation. It was like a manager, right? They were all ready to go on tour, something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just to say, not even in Ian's defense, but just to, you know, to point out an obvious truth, firing people, it sucks. It's the worst. It's terrible, yeah. There's no good way to do it. There are just various worse ways of doing it. Yeah. So just to say that. Yeah. And firing someone from a restaurant is probably pretty drastically different. No less shitty, but pretty drastically different than like someone with a band. I mean, the turnover in a band is probably, particularly right now, I mean, the Tull is so amorphous in this era that Mm. Mm. other than Martin at this point, who knows what they have in terms of stability and a guarantee of how long you'll be in it. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Mirset. Thank you, Mirset. And last one on the YouTube before we get into some emails from you, Omen. This is from Alex Brands 5653. A great song in the first one I ever saw Tull play live, as it was the opener on that tour. During the beginning instrumental section, silhouettes of Ian and Martin were alternately projected onto a big screen behind the stage. Very fun and atmospheric start to the concert. Surprisingly, they never played it after the 89-90 tour. In the 20th anniversary tour program, Ian describes the album as, quote, 
another one of those a little short on the humor and warmth in relation to some other records. Mm. It was a somber album. That was not the case for the concert, in my opinion. Lots of fun, including an outstanding acoustic medley of the Pine Martins jig and Drowsy Maggie by Martin Alcock, Peggy, and Doan. Also a silly sight gag during the opening of Budapest. On some nights, a lucky fan was chosen to play air guitar on a badminton racket next to Martin while he played a solo during Rock Island. That's very silly. Thankfully, all this is well documented on YouTube. Yeah, I've got a ton of comments from people that there's so much of this resource on YouTube, yeah. particularly this era. You know, that was probably the era when the handheld video recorder became commercially mm. accessible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, early 90s, yeah. Yeah, a whole new era of bootlegging. Yeah. And just the thought, think about that tour. Think of Strange Avenues being the opener for that concert. It actually makes kind of a lot of sense as an opener, like, hey, yeah, guess what, everybody? We're about to go down some strange avenues, so it's, you know, buckle up, it's going to be weird. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to inoculate you to the weirdness that is about to come. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Omen, I believe you have two emails to cover before we are done with this halfway. Yes. First off, Dr. Pete Pollywog Third writes in... Hooray, Dr. Pete, brand new writer inner. Yes, perhaps he can be the doctor to our disease. Oh, goodness. The subject line is strange avenues. First you hate it, then you tolerate it, then you crave it. <sighs> Message. Happy midwinter, momes. I thoroughly enjoyed your breakdown of strange avenues. As I listened to the episode, I felt a shift in attitude from our intrepid hosts as it progressed. By the end, it was just a notch or two below a love fest. That last line, are you ever lonely just like me, gives me the chills every time. My appreciation for the song stretches back to the midwinter of 1989 when I saw Tall live in a small venue in Minneapolis on a bitterly cold night. Rock Island was a new album, and the show started with a jaw-dropping version of Strange Avenues. As my first tall live show, the bar was immediately set very high. Let me set the scene. Pitch Black Auditorium. On the right side of the stage, a spotlight suddenly appears as the opening flute intro to Strange Avenues kicked in. There is a silhouette of Ian behind a curtain with a fedora hat and overcoat with tails, playing sultry notes from Strange Avenues into his flute. Just a flash of spotlight and darkness again as the song slowly gets up and going. Next, the guitar part kicks in and Martin appears stage left, also in a spotlight as a silhouette behind the curtain. That's sort of a, a film noir vibe is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly that, that fedora lands mm -hmm. that feel, yeah. As the song intro picks up speed, the spotlights go back and forth, flashing on and off as the more rhythmical part begins. The silhouette of a woman appears next to Ian. She's doing a seductive dance to the beat. Lights off, lights on. She's dancing closer to Ian. Lights off, lights on. A little closer. <laughs> All while Ian plays his flute. Off, on, she's right next to him. Off, on, almost touching. Off, on, she's giving him mock fellatio. My jaw dropped. Finally, <laughs> the body of the song picks up. Speed and the lights are on. The rest of band is there. And Ian walks out from behind the curtain, singing into his flute. He has a tiny microphone at the tip of his flute that was now serving double duty as an instrument and microphone. So cool. 
After the haunting last lines of Strange Avenues, the most raucous version of Steel Monkey kicked in, and the Tullskulls were sent to prog rock ecstasy. <laughs> I was stupefied and mesmerized for only the second time in my life. The first was when I saw the opening credits and opening scene to Star Wars in the theater as an eight-year-old child. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that story explains why Strange Avenues has a special place in my heart. I surmised you gentlemen gained an appreciation as well. The only other tidbit to add about that show was that I have the distinct memory that the woman sitting next to me looked just like Cousin It from the Addams Family. <laughs> Keep up the amazing analysis and insight. I only listen to one podcast. Talk tall to me. It's all I need. Owl the best, Dr. Pete. Wow, that last line is going to be our on our t-shirts from now on. Owl the best. Oh, no. Like oh. I only listen to one <laughs> podcast. It's all I need. <laughs> yes, Dr. Pete Pollywog. Thank you so much. This uh, What an amazing... Uh, again, I just love these little visions of moments from the past taking us back down the years yeah those first tall concerts are really something they really leave a mark you know and it sounds to me like somehow ian recognized that the album was a little bit unhumorous mm -hmm. and chose to present it live in a way that helped to cut that a little bit yeah yeah that's nice that's a good touch just a touch of mock fellatio that's all I need is just a touch of mock fellatio. I only listen to one kind of fellatio. And it's the mock fellatio. It's, it's mock, yeah, because I'm vegetarian. Oh, yeah. Real quick follow-up from Dr. Pete Pollywog third Subject, a challenge for Nick and Omen. Momes, momes, momes. Here is the throwdown. Statement, Strange Avenues is the most eerie, haunting, and dark tall song. And to end an entire album with it, leaving you hanging emotionally like that, to quote Nick, woof. I challenge the feckless ones to find its equal in darkness. I have a close second, ironically also on Rock Island. Uh, find something as dark as Strange Avenues? Dark and eerie as Strange Avenues. My immediate mind went to Stormwatch. And I think I would say Dunringill. Yeah, yeah, or Old Ghosts. I was gonna. Mm. I was gonna think back to benefit. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean that opening thirty seconds from that flute from benefit. Oh my! With gosh. you there to help me. Yeah. Good. Good call. Yeah. Well, we'll put a little bit more thought into this. Yeah. Before you metamorphosize into a frog. Yeah. Benefit and Stormwatch, probably the darkest sounds. I would think my immediate go-to's. Yeah. Next on the massive list of correspondence, we have a note from new writer in Spagomat. Welcome, Spagomat. Spagomat writes, Hey folks, I'm only three albums in to talk tall to me, but now and then you read letters from listeners describing their tall journey. I hope you're not bored of these tales by now, and I hope mine is weird enough to be interesting in any case. I grew up just outside of Boston, and my first tall album was stolen from a flea market. Dun, dun, dun! A man after my own Red-handed. It was 1977, I was 15, and I had just gotten into shoplifting. <laughs> I dabbled on the flute, I tried foie gras for the first time, and I just got into shoplifting. Yeah. You remember the trends? <laughs> Pogs, Pokemon yeah. trading cards, shoplifting. Shoplifting, yep. 
I had this technique of resting a purchased LP in a bag in front of the record display while browsing through the other LPs, then lifting two to three albums behind my bag when I left. Not dissimilar to the cheese, cheese and chocolate. Yeah, it checks out. It checks out. <laughs> One of those random albums was Aqualung, which I didn't recognize from the cover. When I got it home and gave it a try, I realized I recognized most of the music, having often heard it playing muffled from my older brother's room. I grew to love Aqualung, and I give it credit for putting the first cracks in my Catholic upbringing. Ooh, yeah. He says, and yes, I now regret shoplifting. But let's move on. I, I just want to say that tall origin story has it all. Has the older brother. Yep. Has crime. Yep. Has Aqualung. The only thing it's missing is the CD of the month club. That's it. Yes, exactly. If he'd stolen it from the CD of the month club, <laughs> that'd be perfect. If he'd learned about shoplifting from the CD of the month club. <laughs> he, he got a CD of how to shoplift. How to shoplift, yeah. yeah. Great technique, by the way. I mean, and, and that's, you know, I think that's, I'm not going to utilize it myself, but I'll right now fantasize about it. Next time I go to the record store. <laughs> so I'm going to summarize. He listened to every Tell album right up to under wraps, but then stopped because he found it too depressing. Mm. He says, I promised myself one day that I would finish the project and return to the remaining discography. That was about 30 years ago. I collected every release since then out of loyalty, but couldn't bring myself to listen. That's where you guys come in. Mm. You are going to be my Virgil as I travel through the nine circles of Tull. The ups, the downs, the happy mistakes, and the sad misfires. If I can't enjoy some of the music, I'm sure to enjoy all the commentary at least. I know there are some gems out there, and I know you're going to lead me to them. Thanks for giving me the strength to dive back in. Spagomat. Either three albums in, we have talked enough that you have referenced Virgil and the Inferno enough times, or Spagomat is a person after your own heart to immediately go to Virgil. Theft and Virgil in the same uh, oh. email? Mercy. What? Oh, <laughs> I remember I'm married. Thank you, Spagomat, for writing in. It's great to hear about your tall origin story. And we're so excited that we've inspired you to listen to the, the rest of the, discogra the discography. I mean, that's kind of been our journey as well. There were plenty of things that, that both Nick and I just kind of said, ah, yeah, I'll listen to it someday. And then this project has forced us to listen to and we've discovered those gems. So yeah. You know, we're doing it for ourselves and we're doing it for you. Those albums that you like, even you pick up once and you listen to it and it's like, okay, I've listened to it. Right. Officially. Yeah. But I haven't appreciated it. And you know, you need, you know, you need to dedicate that time. You invest that time to really get into it and, and learn to appreciate it. Or you just go back to benefit because it's solid and amazing. You know, like <laughs> it's, you really got to make the effort. And it's super easy not to. It's super easy to not ache the effort. Oh, man, here we are to discuss the lyrics of this four and a half minute song. Still loving you tonight. And I think we can do it in four and a half minutes. Let's do it. Done. Okay, good night. The great thing about this song is that it is as simple as it is deep. It is as profound 
as it is stark. It is as straightforward as it is cutting to the depths of the heart. It's an on-the-road song. It's an Ian working man song. It's a little sexy. Got a little, little, little potential for sex. Sexiness here. I detected here. that, yeah. A little, little naughtiness. But it's, it's longing for naughtiness. It's not, yeah. I'm doing naughty things. It's naughtiness. It is the desire of naughtiness from a great distance. It is pining. Long distance naughty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know what? It's funny that you picked up on the sexy aspect of it because to me, this reminds me of like the song of the devotion of the knight errant. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's like, I'm out here slaying monsters. I'm out here protecting the kingdom. My lady love is at home at the castle. Embroidering things. Embroidering my new sock for when I get home. My armor. Embroidering my armor. (laughs) It's a lonely life I live, and I live this life to go. It's a lonely life I live, and I live this life to go. Lots of L's. Yeah, some alliteration there. And if I leave you with one thing, it's just that I want you to know I'll still be loving you tonight. And if I leave you with one thing, it's just that I want you to know I'll still be loving you tonight. Hmm. So this is my life. I gotta be on the road. Even if I'm on the road, I'm loving you. Regardless of where I am tonight, I am still loving you. I love the phrase, I live this life to go, like... Like, oh, can I get that to go? <laughs> can I get this life to go, please? I, I take my life like I take my coffee. To go. To go. <laughs> can I get drive through for this life? Is that, <laughs> is that window open? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I love that that's the thesis because then the next line is, is about all of the physical stuff. So he starts off with this thing of like, if I could boil it all down to one thing, all of the things that I'm leaving you with, The most important one is that I love you. And Mm. then he goes on to say, I left flowers on your table. I left a lock on your door. Staked a claim in your heartlands. Put grain in your store. Left flowers on your table. Left a lock on your door. Staked a claim in your heartlands. Put grain in your store. Now, let's put the sexiness aside for a moment, you perverts. You sick, sick bastards. Those are all very tangible things that he's bringing to the relationship. What's the lock on your door? Is that like the lock on the love bridge in France? Or is it in England? I mean, there's probably love bridges everywhere. <laughs> that reference. Or do you not know that? No, I do know it. It oh, just okay. surprised. It just was a, a left sucker punch of a reference that I wasn't expecting. What, that, what, how do you interpret leaving a lock on a door? I mean, I kind of think of it like it's his protection of her. Oh, when we bought the house, there was no lock on the door because it was, you know, in in the middle of the world in Scotland. But then me being gone all this time, you were like, maybe we should have a freaking lock on the door. So I put a lock on the door. Okay. So you can lock yourself in. I took it more as like the, in the courting phase that was early on is like, so he, he did that as like kind of a flirtation thing, like a sweet thing. Like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put a lock on her door with our initials on it, or I'm going to have flowers delivered, you know, something like that. Oh, interesting. I see it as almost the most recent interaction. I think you're, that's more accurate. Yeah, I think you're right there. 
There are a number of references across the discography to flowers, and especially with these kind of missing Shona songs. Missing the Shona songs. It reminds me of uh, The Gift of Roses from Dot Com, mm, which I'm mm-hmm. terribly excited to cover. Yeah. I almost get the impression that he's describing a habit of always leaving flowers and always bringing flowers. Yeah. It's their thing. It's one of their things in right. that relationship. Yeah. Stake to claim in your heartland, put grain in your store. Oh my God, I love it. Don't worry, baby. There's enough rice and beans for the next six months till I get back. We have plenty of cereal grains. We'll be fine. <laughs> Just boil them, boil them. <laughs> but it's also a reference to something very old, which is like, if you were a part of the landed... Gentry? The landed gentry, but even going back further, if you were the lord of an area, mm. mm-hmm. one of your fundamental jobs was to put grain in your storehouses so that if bad times hit, you could still feed your population. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So it's that sense of like, I'm taking care of you physically. Right. I'm saving. I'm saving away. Yeah. But also, all of this is predicated with almost undercut with the first line, which is to say, none of that matters. The most important thing is I'm still loving you tonight. Hmm. Yeah. Right. But this is, this is how he's showing that he loves her. Yes, absolutely. I don't think they have to be separate. The thesis, I'm still loving you tonight. How am I still loving you tonight? By doing this and doing this and doing this and doing this. If you ever doubt that I love you, go into the basement. Think about all that grain. Look, look at the hot water heater I had installed. <laughs> that baby's 200 gallons. <laughs> the pressure's unbelievable. <laughs> it costs a fortune for the electricity, but I don't care. For you, baby. Got fingers on the button of that telephone dial. Call in and move your mountains. Fill your spaces a while. I'm still loving you tonight. Got fingers on the button of that telephone dial. Call in and move your mountains. Fill your spaces while I'm still loving you tonight. Just for anyone who has a copy of Silent Singing, please look at the photograph that is associated with this song. We described it before. It's Ian pantsless on the bed with a glass of whiskey talking on the phone and it's just it's great because there's the negative space of the other half of the bed next to him yeah 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 this is the photo where he's wearing the gold tip boots black jacket yeah. and tie yeah yeah oh he is wearing a tie i finally see it it's a bow tie yes yes got it nailed it finally yeah so colin and move your mountains what is that is that basically like boobs sexiness aside is that more or less like cancel all your plans Hmm. reschedule everything because i'm calling at this time or is it to say i'm by the force of my calling i will move mountains right yeah you're dealing with an issue i will take care of it even from a distance Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. call in and move oh so yeah he's the one doing the moving call in implied is I'm calling in. I'll call in and move your mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of the obstacles. Just to back up to looking at the album as a whole and cross-referencing, in Rocks on the Road, we have the line, long distance telephone keeps ringing out engaged. Wonder who you're talking with tonight. Long distance telephone keeps ringing out engaged. Wonder who you're talking with tonight. So there is a little bit of a reference or recurring theme of the limitations of the technology of the time. Yes, right, right. 
you know, this is still pre-internet, pre-cell phones. Oh, yeah. So the process of connecting to someone if you're traveling might be really difficult. Right. I think car phones were around at this time, but they were the big old bricks and very limiting. Yeah. I just want to make a correction. I said, fill your spaces a while. It's call in and move your mountains, fill your spaces while I'm still loving you tonight. Yeah. Hashtag phone sex. You want to know how I can leave you? Question mark. How I can move along this way? Yes, Ian, we do. How could you leave us? Please tell me. Too much of a good thing can make you crazy. And it's a good thing that happened to me today. You want to know how I can leave you? Yeah, I can move along this way. Too much of a good thing can make you crazy. It's a good thing that happened to me. I'll still be loving you tonight. There's no question mark in the text. That was your... <laughs> My question mark is that the word today exists in that sentence. I've never heard that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's there. It's a good thing that happened to me today. It's a good thing that happened to me today. Yeah, that's it. Your scansion was wrong. Yeah, it's quicker. Oh, it's odd. Yeah. Well, now I don't know what this verse means. The too much of a good thing can make you crazy thing is really, that is the line that confuses me because the good thing is obviously like being with Shona, yeah? But too much of a good thing makes you go crazy. So is that why he goes on tour? That's how I had initially read it, but I think it's the reverse. I think that you want to know how I can leave you, how, oh, interesting. It's how can I move along this way? Yeah. I think he starts by asking her and then he's asking himself. I think that's part of the question to her. You want to know how I can leave you? How can I move along this way? But then I think he doesn't answer it. I think that he says too much of a good thing can make you. He implies, well, the reason I can do it is because I have this good thing. I have this tour. That's a good thing. Oh, but, yeah. but too much of a good thing can make okay. you crazy. And today was very good. It's a good thing that happened to me today, meaning I'm on tour today. Meaning, it's making me crazy. Yeah. Too much of a good thing can make you crazy, and it's a good thing that happened to me. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Because I had previously read it as, it was a good thing that happened to me meeting my wife, but too much of a good thing can make you crazy, and that's why I have to leave. Yeah, and see, that's what I, I was very confused, but I think you got it. But I don't think that's it. No, no, I don't think it is at all. My initial interpretation was, too much of a good thing, the good thing being Shona, will make you crazy. So I go on tour to not be crazy, right. which then implies that a tour is not a good thing. Right. But I, th I think we reversed it and sussed it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And it's then we a get good repetition. thing. Okay, oh, go sorry. No, I'm just kind of relating to this. I very, very different, obviously, but I've gone out of town a couple of times in the last couple of years to do... Mm -hmm out-of-town shows and you know i was gone for three months and then i was gone for two months one year and then the next and 
it is interesting how when you have the opportunity, it's like, oh, this is great. This is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and get to do this. And here's why it's a good thing for us as a, as a couple as well. You know, and of course, my wonderful partner was has been really, really supportive of me doing those things. So it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But then when you're there, you're like, why am I doing this goddamn <laughs> yes. show? Right. Yeah. I'm going nuts. And all I want to do is come back home. I could be home with my cat. I could be home doing nothing, but instead I'm entertaining thousands of people who love it. Ugh, why would I do this to myself? So I I can extrapolate that cycle when it's even more intense and more regular to think like- The thought process behind it? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, hey, if I do this tour, guess what? We're going to be able to upgrade the sheet pen and get a new boat. And finally install those electric hair curlers. All the good reasons to do you it. You spoil me, Ian. You spoil me. And then doing it like, oh my God, I would give everything up. I would give all of the material possessions up just to yeah, just to be there. I don't know. And that's it. And then we just get a repetition and that wraps it up. You know, that we get the thesis of I'm living a lonely life and that's where I'm going. And regardless of where it is and why I am still loving you tonight. And I think that that repeat, besides just kind of good structural songwriting, takes us back to this sense of inevitability, this sense of like, mm. things are this way because this is how we are. This is us. It's also a cycle. It always happens again. We're seeing the start of this cycle again. Yeah, exactly. Fabulous song, amazing mm. music. Mm. Nick, to what are we listening next week? We are listening to the original sting for good friend of the pod, Doc Savage. Doctor to my disease. Or was he Dr. Bogenbrum? He might I thought have been it was Dr. Dr. Bogenbrum. Bogenbrum. Yeah, you're right. Wait, okay, so this will, be this, this will be the sting for Dr. Polywog. Dr. Polywog? Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely Dr. Bogenbroom. I'm so excited. It's a rocker. Until next week, I am the claim in your heartlands, Nick McGill. I've got my fingers on something, Omen Thomas said. Talk tall to me moves your mountains and fills your spaces. And the feckless moms are still loving you tonight. Information. Uh, operator, will you give me the number, please, of uh, George Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N, at 4411 Huguenot Walloon Drive? That is George Kaplan. Yes, that's right. That is Kaplan. Yes. That is K as in knife, A as in aardvark, P as in pneumonia, L as in luscious, A as in aardvark, once again, N as in you will post Kaplan? Uh, I, I think so, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> Just one moment, sir. I will look that number up for you. Thank you very much. Uh, operator, if, if you could uh, try to hurry... Uh, I am looking the number up for you. It's just that I'm, I'm terribly late here and I'm, I'm hoping... That number is listed in your directory. Operator, there is no directory here, I swear to God. <laughs> will you please take a pencil and write yes. the number down? I promise, I definitely will, yes. The number is audible. Hello, 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 operator, hello. Information. Op op operator. Information. Operator, you just collected my dime. Information is a free service, sir. Yeah, I, when you hang up your dime, we'll be returned to you. This, listen, I, I know it's usually a free service. See, the thing is, in this case, I, I heard the dime, you know, hit all those other dimes. <laughs> I, I, I know it's in there, and I wouldn't bother you about a dime. The thing is, it's my last dime. I have no change, and my car has just broken down. I'm already over an hour late for an extremely important appointment, so you can see that it matters. Hello? Information. <laughs> Operator, please return my dime. I cannot return your dime to you, sir, until you hang up. When no. you hang up, your dime will be returned to you. No, it won't, Operator. Listen to me. I know that sound. I've heard it all my life. <laughs> that dime is in there. Information cannot argue with a closed mind. <laughs> Why don't you try hanging up? Because I can't take the chance. I'll lose the dime. I'll lose you. Look, miss, look, can, can I go over your head? Is there, is there someone else I can speak to? A human being? <laughs> you wish to speak to a human being? Please. Is this about your alleged dime? It's a real dime. Hold on just one moment, sir, and I will connect you with the information supervisor. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, listen, operator, hello? Information. Uh, op operator, listen, there's, there's no chance that you would say, accidentally jostle something with your elbow and uh, cut me off completely. We do not work with our elbows, sir. <laughs> This is terrible. Oh. Information supervisor. <laughs> Can I help you? Uh, I, I sincerely hope so. Yes, sir. Uh, just a minute ago, operator. Supervisor. What? This is the information supervisor. I'm sorry. Oh, that's uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> Supervisor, yes. just, just a minute ago, one of your girls inadvertently collected my last dime, and as I was explaining yeah. to her, my yeah. car... Yes. Bill uh, Telephone doesn't charge a dime. This, I know. When I, you no, hang up, yeah. your dime will no, be returned to I, you. I just went through Information is a completely uh, free service. Not tonight! <laughs> now, Miss, please try to understand what I'm saying to you. I'm speaking as one human being to another. Forget that you're an operator. I'm a supervisor. Information <laughs> <laughs> supervisor. All right, well, Supervisor, Bell Telephone has stolen my dime. That's what it comes down oh, to. I'm simply just a minute, well, that's sir. what happened. You no, stole it. I, I trusted you. Bell Telephone yeah. didn't steal your dime. That is dime. exactly what they did. But Bell Telephone yeah. doesn't need yeah. your dime. <laughs> 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 Bell Telephone Company gets I, millions of well, dimes every well, day. They didn't pick out your dime. <laughs> yes, they did. They picked it out and they stole it. And if you don't like the way we do things, why don't you deal with some other company? <laughs>
There's, you know there's nowhere I can turn. You've got to do something. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue well, with you. What do you mean you're not going to argue with me? You need to sit there and well, tell me that you think I, the Bell Telephone Company has stolen your dime. Exactly what I'm yeah, saying. I'd just be very happy to return your dime to you. You will? Yes. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much. Not at all. What is your name and address? <laughs> Miss. Yes? You're, uh, you're going to send me a whole lot of stamps, aren't you? Yes, we are. That's right. I knew it. Look, I've, I've received stamps from you people in the past, and it's a wonderful surprise. <laughs> I need the I need the dime now. Look, can can I go over your head? Is there someone else I can speak to? Yeah, I can connect you with the managing supervisor, Miss Jones. Please. Who isn't going to be able to help you either? <laughs> Why not give it a whirl? Miss Jones, please. And look, please hurry. Hold please. The, hold the line. Yeah. Managing Supervisor, Miss Jones, can I help you? Oh, Miss Jones. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad I finally got a hold of you. What is it, sir? Miss Jones, this is my story. Yes, yes, I'm here. Oh. <laughs> Miss Jones, yes. uh, a long time ago... <laughs> One of your operators inadvertently collected my last dime. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, you see, Miss Jones, as, as, as I explained to her, my car has... I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't usually do this. Yes, please, you go ahead and cry. <laughs> Bell Telephone understands. Thank you. But you, you've lost your dime. No, she took it away. Sir, if Bell Telephone has taken your dime, they will be very happy to give you a free call for that dime. Oh, Miss Jones, if, if that's true, I'll never forget you as long as I live. Well, that's true, oh, sir. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, no, thank no, you, no, Miss no, Jones. No, 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 It's our pleasure to serve you. Thank you. You just give me the name of the party you're calling and the number. <laughs> Uh, Miss Jones. Yes, sir. Uh, you're, you're dealing here with a broken man. I, uh, she, she took the dime before I ever heard the number. Look, forget it. I don't care anymore. Listen, Something listen has snapped me. Listen in me. Listen to I, me, sir. If you will give me the name of the party you're calling, you do know that. Yes. Then I'll look the number up for you right here. Bless you. Uh, the, the name is uh, George Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N is in Newell Post. Right. Hold on, sir. Yes, thank you. Hello, sir. Yes, yes, I yes, have yes. that number oh, for you. Thank you, yes. That number is order bin 1954. Thank you, Miss Jones. Now tell me what to do. Hold on to your receiver. Hold on to the receiver. Right. Until you hear the dial tone. Wait for the dial. Then yes. dial your number, John sir. Jones. You have a free call. Thank you, Miss Jones. I'll never forget you. This is a recording. You have dialed a wrong exchange. <laughs>